0: Welcome to Dad Space, podcast for dads by dads. Today we have with us Sean Fry. Sean is the founder of the Neurodiversity Foundation and Chief Innovation Officer at Potential Workforce. Sean comes today to share his journey through uh, autism, both personally as he. Shares his story and the story of his girls, his beautiful girls, and how autism has touched his family. Here on Space, this is a really interesting podcast episode and I really hope that the message we share today helps you learn Space. So Sean is one of the most sought-after speakers, executives, and advocate for neurodiversity. He also holds four public and two classified Patents. When he's not working, he enjoys spending time with his family, and he gets to spend some time with us here on Dad Space. So happy to have him with us today. Hope you enjoy the podcast and um, listen for his little mention about acorns and what that means to him and his daughter. A great story here on Dad Space. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Dad Space. I have a special guest with me today, and I'm very excited to. To chat tonight and to share a little bit together. Sean is here with me tonight and Sean is coming with a wealth of knowledge, a great heart. Um, and he's coming tonight to share with us. And I'm, I'm really so happy to have you with us tonight, Sean. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, David. I'm really proud to be part of this. It's a, it's a great mission you have here. And I'm, I'm glad just to be, you know, to be able to share from other points of view of dads and my point of view. It's, maybe a little bit different and hopefully that resonates with some dads out there. So.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So Sean, can you give us a little bit of an update on you? Like we've had a conversation already and I appreciate that. Um, But those who don't know you yet, um, can you give them a little update about who you are and where, maybe where you
1: are in the world as well? Sure. Uh, uh, My name is Sean Fry and uh, the most, the, the most, known public thing about me is that i have autism i have asperger syndrome right and uh it wasn't something i was diagnosed with as a child it created a lot of difficulties for me as a child and you know i was that child that didn't speak and didn't talk to people didn't socialize and and i was told that i wouldn't amount to very much in life and uh then my parents just you know there were, there's many there not much was known about autism or neurodivergence as a whole but you know, don't listen to what some of those people say. I mean, they don't always know. It turned out my life did. I did very well with my life. I was a chief information officer of several hospital systems. I was, I built my own company. I grew it. Did It was very successful. And, and since I've sold my company, I've been basically hoping to teach uh, companies, parents, universities, just how to embrace neurodivergent individuals. And that's not just autism. It's ADHD and Dyslexia, dyscalculia, uh, even people with different brain integration issues, the people that are affected through PTSD and CPTSD, all of those things are are part of the neurodiversity movement.
0: Excellent. And where do you live? I live in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Is it warm today?
1: It is very <laughs> warm today. It's 100 <laughs> degrees even at 6 or 7 o'clock. So, oh, so tell me 38 degrees Celsius for
0: What do you love about Texas? Uh
1: it uh, what I like the most about it is it well, I was embraced here. Right. I grew up in the Northeast and it, it, things are very traditional. There's a there's a curriculum in how you behave in New York and Philadelphia and Boston. And with Houston being a very diverse city I, I was I was better accepted here. it's very much like Toronto right there's okay everyone and so if you're a little bit different, it's better accepted than a place where there's a very strong cultural rules. And there's nothing wrong with those rules. I learned a lot a lot from them but if i because I am blind to following those rules, it made it difficult for me to socialize and I've just found it easier to get accepted here now i'm once I've learned those social rules. I've gotten much better at you know uh acclimating myself wherever I go in the world.
0: So I I have lots of questions tonight. Um can you tell me one of those social roles or cues that we I might not think twice about but it's something that you would want you'd have to learn or
1: be aware of to pick up on. Uh well The one of the most, let's just start from from the beginning. It makes no sense to me why people just walk up to each other and go like that. That is just a foreign, so foreign to me why people would do that or Mm -hmm. make eye contact. It's not something that's common that people would do that's not natural for me. So you might as well go up and go, you know, it's just an arbitrary gesture. So things like that, or where to stand in line or how close to stand to a person. It's not natural for me to know. I was born without those instincts. Many, many children are. Uh, even adults have, have these issues that are still trying to figure out what that, it's called the hidden curriculum of that we need to do socially. Uh, because I've been kind of on the forefront of autism, I've had a chance, I've had a lot of studies done on my brain and things like that. And it turns out that I have, I lack certain mirror neurons to know how people react to me or... or a, if they're if I'm doing the right thing or not the right thing, you know I'm blind to that. It's something you have to learn through intuition through trial and error that children aren't born with, so as a parent, if your child, if you call your child and they don't look at you, it's just one of those things where they don't know that that's what's expected of them, or if they don't run over and hug you when they see you, it's not that they don't love you, it's just that they don't know what's expected of them. It's not natural
0: that makes sense that makes sense so i did have an author on recently and her son has autism and when her son was really small uh he would fixate on one thing and just be super focused on one thing one toy one task and he could do that for hours and she thought wow he's very he's very disciplined he's very focused that's that's great mm-hmm. and Um, but when she would call his name, he wouldn't respond.
1: Correct. Right. He wouldn't
0: get up and come to her. He would just ignore her. And he didn't, she didn't understand at the time what that meant. So for parents with children with autism, is there, can you speak some wisdom for parents listening to this? My sister has a daughter with autism. So I know she'll be listening to this as well. But from your point of view and from your wisdom. Sure. As a parent, how can we be better parents?
1: So I I speak to this because I have I have two autistic daughters myself, right? And with my older daughter, I didn't know I didn't know I was autistic. I didn't I wasn't diagnosed till I was in my forties. But I understood the traits that I have that we shared in common. I have a younger daughter who I knew from the time she was born, like ultimately what those what what those sensitivities were, right? And one of the things that's different about my daughter is she's not the person, she's not gonna run, oh daddy, daddy, I love you, you know. She's more of a person that will come sit next to me and want to be in my space. And that's her letting me know that she wants to be close to me, or she may not want too much sensitivity because you have to remember people with not just autism, but even people who are have some trauma, maybe a parent had died or maybe some bad things that happened, a car accident. Some of those things, their brain becomes sensitive and they don't want as much emotion. They don't want as much excitement. Those neurochemicals, the that, that rush of dopamine is very threatening.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, good or bad. They don't want to be too excited. They don't want to be too scared or, or sad. So one of the ways, I think one of the most beautiful stories I can tell is that when my daughter was young, we would have come up with our special language about how we would communicate. And I told her when she was young that listen, acorns, acorns mean I love you. It was a very non-traditional, but something she could focus on. So every day from daycare and elementary school, kindergarten, she would find acorns on the on the playground and bring them home. <laughs> hmm. And go to. So it was a beautiful story of a child who, if, if, no, if she knows what to do, where it wouldn't be natural for her to say, daddy, I love you. You, you. Thank you for everything. She will communicate in a way that's, that's familiar to her. Yeah. It's just as meaningful, but you have to learn to look for those types of things where a lot of parents are, are more focused on traditional, typical behaviors that don't necessarily aren't always native to the child male or female it's
0: a beautiful story sean like i can just see her handing these to you or leaving them for you and that being her way of showing her love
1: right we ended <laughs> up with a big glass jar full of it, right? <laughs> nice to this day it's one of the most precious things in the world so uh it, it's just one of those ways the, the other thing is just different styles of play i mean i can speak with me as one of the things My dad was always wanting to do things with me, but he wanted to go hunting and fishing, and very, you know, traditional male type behaviors. Which are there's nothing wrong with them, but they were very threatening to me. They were loud. They were scary to me. An an unfamiliar environment is very scary. But it's with my children. I know that they didn't want to do typical things. So I found what they were interested in. It's 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 that curiosity that drives us to find those those common threads as parents that really make a difference. When you can move, instead of bringing them into your world, find something in common in their world, it make it makes all the difference in how you connect with your child.
0: And that whole, I think we talked about this before, that autism is not a disability, it's a different ability. Right? To right?
1: This, yes, <laughs> to this day, if you Google autism, you uh, it will still say learning disabilities, uh, social disabilities, Bit, the way that they define it clinically is just so wrong, and it's a big part of what my mission is against. Is I don't have a learning disability. I have, I've been, you know, I have multiple patents. I I constantly work on specialized research projects that are very advanced. Obviously, I can't have a learning disability and not be able to deal with that. But like your sister's son, yeah, his ability to focus on something and perseverate on that gives him an incredible insight that many people would never acquire because of that discipline of thought, because of the robust curiosity, which is something that comes with autism. It's just a different, it's a different way of looking at the world. Many of the biggest companies in the world are run by autistic people. I mean, uh, Elon Musk, robustly known for running multiple companies that are changing the way the world is, the way the world operates. Uh, There's many people who suspect Steve Jobs and, Bill Gates and and history, Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein, all people with who are neurodivergent. You know, Einstein contemplated gravity for five years before he started working on some of his more advanced theorems. Wow,
0: wow! So that ability to focus in on something, where for myself, for example, I might get distracted, I might not. I can I can do like multiple things at the same time and spin lots of plates and be really busy doing a bunch of things. When I watch my my sister's child, they're so focused on that one thing that the whole world is irrelevant in that moment. Like it doesn't matter what's going on. They're just so concentrated and so into it. Where again, like if they want to learn the piano, they learn
1: the piano.
0: I might play the piano for one. For 15 minutes and get bored,
1: right? That does not happen. (laughs) And I can see for a parent would be really frustrating. Will you please put your iPad down and (laughs) and and, and play baseball? But to them, there's something there. They're looking for that next big thing. And just to give you an idea of how fixated you can become, when I when I was working my patents, I really wasn't planning on working on patents. I was working on a problem. I built one of the first computer bullet board systems, right? If you ever seen the movie War Games, I was the guy that built the other end of that where people called in, right? Nobody ever taught me to do that. I basically went to the library. I bought every book I could, figured out how to set them up, bought a computer, bought a modem, connected one line, connected multiple lines. I was just fascinated with the way computers can work and talk. Well, eventually i wanted to figure synchronize the way that the data flowed through those machines there was no precedent for it so i spent nine months in a room i would only leave on wednesdays and when i walked out of that room after nine months later i had five patents basically of how to synchronize data over multiple you know asynchronous nodes and how to correct errors across multiple lines and It just didn't exist, but my ability to focus on that problem changed, you know, how communications were formed. This was from the same child who they said didn't think he would be able to progress or ever make it to college or uh, ever have it be a very effective in a career. I was basically doomed to be a laborer. Wow. Nothing wrong with being a laborer. Yeah, just but even today. A lot of schools do not recognize the capabilities. or they are not equipped to deal with people who think differently. Yeah. They want people to follow a pretty standard format of learning.
0: That's exactly the point I was hoping we got to was that if you do not fit within the confines of what the school system is teaching or what culture is accepting of, then you don't fit. Well, I don't see any of this as you're speaking, and as you speak of your your daughters, as any like you talked about. This is not a disability. I see this as a brilliance. I no. see this as a a focused brilliance that if we could tap into and celebrate mm-hmm. instead of not understanding or or historically not even acknowledging. I think if we could just appreciate the, the the beauty of what someone in in with with autism can provide in this world, it's 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 amazing. The talent and the, just the skill, it's beautiful.
1: It, it it is. It's one of the most beautiful things. It's like a great symphony of the mind because it's different, right? And it, we're not bound by, you know, if you look at the way people propagate through college and grad grad studies and your post grad all of your to advance you need to build off of the existing bodies of work the great breakthroughs i've had in my life are because i've abandoned the existing paradigms and came up with new paradigms because my mind is free of those and one of the things that's biggest difference between neurodivergence and neurotypicals is conformity i have no predisposition to follow the conformed means we break down those things so we make mistakes but I, I'm not afraid to fail and make mistakes. I learn from every one of them. And our educational system anywhere in the world really is not designed around letting free free flow thought. I mean, the great innovators are a lot of them are college dropouts. I mean, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, these guys all, Richard Branson, Larry Ellison are college dropouts because, you know, a- academia is very much a generalist uh you know, uh, and, and, and investment endeavor. Yeah. So the people who are hyper focused, eight people with ADD, ADHD, OCD, those, the, the, those are just labels and I hate them. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're very limiting, but people who have that ability to fixate on something or to think in a very distinct way. People, some of the most brilliant minds in the world are dyslexic. They don't, they don't write down anything, but they think in a most robust and brilliant way. Mm -hmm. And they're under misunderstood because of the way that they communicate is not traditional. So Sean, where do we go from here? What, what
0: do you envision as, as a, a society and an environment, a community where you and your girls thrive and the, you don't have to, to worry about people judging or, segregating you because of because of, of autism like how do we get to a place where where we as a community are better
1: that that is that is a great question and, and from the bottom of my heart i need to say that i don't think that there are were, we're really addressing that the right way I mean, I think there are ma- some major nonprofits out there that are trying to, they treat autism more as a disease or an illness than they do as an opportunity, as a difference. Um, as a matter of fact, I have my own nonprofit called the Neurodiversity Foundation. It's because I didn't find anybody addressing the issue as it needs to be done. We need to understand. And the majority of these nonprofits are not run by people who have autism. I mean, if you want to know what an autistic person thinks, just ask them, they will tell you. <laughs> I'm sure your sister-son, I don't know mm-hmm, him, yeah, but yeah. I promise you, if you ask him something, he is probably, for those that can speak, will be are willing to say so. And here's the thing, I work with a lot of those who don't speak verbally, but boy, do they communicate. They they have lives, they have opportunities, they have loves, they have joys, and those people have. The more that we understand them and realize how they're wired and we protect them from things that are sensitive to them, like if you'll see, in, for those that can see on video, I have dark blinds that cover my windows because I am so sensitive to light. How hard is it to accommodate someone that they might want to have the shades down in their office or to keep the lights down at a lower volume, to keep the sound down to a moderate level so they're not overly uh, stimulated? which is again one of the things you'll see that's that's always demonstrated in in stereotypical shows is the meltdown of where we get overwhelmed and we stem like in rain man and and shows like that uh that's a very real thing but that is not an emotional disruption it seems emotional it's it's a it's a sensory issue Uh, and again for those out there who have daughters a lot of the diagnostic criteria for women is radically different than men. The vast majority of diagnostic criteria is geared around boys because that's what who people, young moms, take their young boys in and they have them diagnosed. And there really aren't a lot of girls because girls are much more adept at hiding their autistic traits. And a lot of their sensory issues are seen as emotional issues when they're really not. They're really sensory. So they get misdiagnosed as having borderline personality disorder or other emotional dysregulation and it's true it's just an autism thing but there's not enough people that understand what autism is like for an autistic person because they don't ask autistic people
0: yeah wow so i know that there was like um a store in my community and there's uh, one or two nights a week where they lower the lights in the store at this grocery store they don't make they turn the music down in the store So the music's not at the regular volume. They don't do any paging over the announcements. They don't do any of that. And the store is just peaceful, quiet. And 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 they've opened their doors to the community so that they can come in and shop with their children or whatever. And it's just everyone that comes in knows that this is how the store is at this certain night of the week or nights of the week. And I I see that as one small little step.
1: It, it, it's that is a huge stuff. Yeah. Think about that. And it's not just for people with autism. Some people just don't want to be overwhelmed. People that have trauma want that. I'll tell you a story. When the last Star Wars movie came out, we got Lucas Media to release the movie to us one day early. We had a large theater and we brought in, we had turned down the lights, turned down the sound. We had a special showing because people with autism have a proclivity towards Star Wars and certain things. So we brought them in. We had a, a private screening just for these people. And it was overwhelming because it, it's when it's too loud and too bright and too everything they want to see the movie and they could bring their headsets and their headphones and kind of manage their own volume. And it was just such a spectacular event to watch these kids so excited where they could feel safe. It's, it's, we should just do this as a, as a society as a whole have accommodations in classrooms, have accommodations in movie theaters and shopping malls for people who like me who it's not like it's not i need this i'm a grown man and i people always say well you don't look like you have autism I know, what does that mean <laughs> i know it's yeah i don't mind at least they ask i'd rather have people come up and want to talk to me about it and ask me with curiosity it humbly than just ignore me because they're, i don't fit into what their expectation of uh expectation would be
0: So Sean, one other thing I'd love to ask you about, now that I have your 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 time tonight, again, I appreciate you making time for me tonight for this. For parents that have children um, on the spectrum and they're not speaking, they're not verbal. As somebody like my children, they we have we haven't experienced it ourselves, but I do know other families that have. How as how can I interact with a child who is nonverbal in a meaningful
1: way? Non- nonverbal exchanges. The majority of language is nonverbal to begin with. The majority of my daughter and my relationship is nonverbal. It starts with just exchanging something that the child may or may not like, like their favorite cookie or their favorite toy, and you share it with them. You don't have to speak, but the gesture is meaningful. They will share with you what's important to them. Mm. I'm sorry for being so emotional. No, it's great. But but this is this is how we speak. You don't have to use words. Words were just made up later on, but there's so many ways. It doesn't mean the feelings don't exist. It doesn't mean there's not something going on. And a lot of times the meltdowns are from when we don't feel heard. Uh, It's called the lexithyme, you know, the inability to put our emotions into words. Even if we have words and our words are limited or our understanding of emotions are limited, this is something that I have an experience. I developed, I've had the benefit of developing it over the course of 20, 30 years. But for young children who haven't developed it yet, they're not familiar with the emotional spectrum. They they haven't navigated it and mapped it out. Uh, Start with nonverbal things. Find things that they like and share it with them. Don't you don't have to say anything. They don't 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 worry if they don't say anything back. Sharing something with them, and if they accept it, you've created a bond that's valuable. It's it's just where it all starts.
0: Shauna, I love I love your heart, and I love how you're sharing with it's with us today. It's beautiful. So when I'm when I'm speaking around with a nonverbal child, I'm not to force them into a box, to get them to speak, get them to talk. That's not my goal. My goal is not to do that. My goal is to meet them where they're at and be what they need. That's
1: it. Yeah, that's it. The most important thing in breaking down communication for all people, neurodivergent and neurotypical, is psychological safety. People need to feel safe. And I think society has gotten away from that, whatever means the media, you know, education they they think it's safe but it's not. Uh sometimes the anti-bullying policies actually create a greater sense of bullying because you have to get to a certain level before it's ever noticed. And it just I, when I when I have speaking engagements and I've spoken at major universities and medical schools, so many people come out afterwards and say, "This is what my child's experiencing." And they don't they don't have any means to fight back. They they they're nonverbal. Go to them and, and let them know it's okay. Find that one teacher that's gonna listen, that one coach, that one parent who just says it's okay. I, I do care. It, you know, you don't have to tell them they're anxious or depressed or struggling, just sit there and go, I care about what you care about. And it makes it the playing field level and they can grow from there. It forever changed my life when the first people started just listening to what I was trying to say versus expecting me to say what they wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. So
0: Wow, that's powerful. Sean, so people are listening to this. I'm anticipating we're going to get some response from parents, from the community. How can people connect with you? for for more information or to to thank you how can people reach out and speak with you
1: uh the one of the easiest ways is to go to my website which is the neurodiversityfoundation.org or ndfnd.org you can go there through the contact form Uh, i'm also on linkedin Uh, my name is sean fry s-h-a-w-n-c-f-r-y uh you'll be able to see me there in my other uh main company is called Neurologically, which is where we hire autistic people, some of the smartest people in the world who are neurodivergent, and we apply them to different science. We work on very advanced medical technologies, very advanced, sophisticated technologies, and we are living proof about what is capable of people on the spectrum. Uh, it's an interesting social uh, group. Right <laughs> Most brilliant people, PhDs and everything from genetics to molecular biology to neuroscience. We are. They, they are. If you want to see and know what's possible, don't ever set limitations on yourself. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. There is a way. If we can help you find a way to get there, we would love to hear from you and have you support us and let us support you. That's so that's all we ask. It's just understanding and curiosity.
0: Oh, well, Sean, I, I love I love hearing your heart as a father for your girls. Um, I love the example that you're setting to help so many people and to dispel some of the things that are completely wrong from from outside the community where people just don't understand or have the patience to understand Mm. i think we all need to do better and if we can find something that we can do to to make things better that's what all of us need to
1: sign up for agreed well everyone that works for me all with their PhDs and not one of them was hired by a traditional company. Not one of them. Mm. They were 80% of people with autism with college degrees are unemployed or underemployed. There, it's, it's the social component that people need to get by. And there are, there's so much talent out there that's, that's unhired, untapped. Who knows what we, we literally are working on the rare diseases and cancer and things like that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these people doesn't make those breakthroughs. But these are the same people that people gave up on when they were young. Don't give up on your child. Your, your child doesn't want to be given up on. That You don't know what which conversation is going to make the difference. It took two conversations in my life that set me on the path to success. I'm grateful to those people who didn't even know they did it when they when They didn't do it intentionally. But you can be the difference in some child's life. I'm just inviting you to take that opportunity. And David, you mm-hmm. giving this, hosting this, I can't ask for more. From I'm getting the word out there and letting parents, uh, you know, learn from you and all the ways that you allow them to, be, to 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 gain knowledge.
0: Thank you, Sean. I think the biggest thing I'm learning tonight, Sean, talking to you, is the the biggest limitation on anyone with autism is the people that don't understand. Mm-hmm. Because the person with autism has no limitations. Right. Sure. Right? And Thanks. uh I think as a community, everyone listening, we all have a part to play to make this world much better.
1: Right. And and it, it is. I mean, the, the autistic people are some of the nicest, kindest. I mean, I, I don't know any one of them. Not one of them. It's interesting. Who has a malevolent component to them they're just so kind like, yeah. you know they want to love they want to be loved and and it's just like any child i mean any young child wants this and it's, it's sometimes people just see love differently i mean you may be one of those person as a parent who wanted love a little bit differently than what maybe you received it it's learning it's inviting that love in and allowing non-traditional means of love and i mean by non-traditional i mean Playing parallel play it was a big thing about this people. We don't necessarily go up and ask people to play with us, but we will go up and play next to them, or instead of playing with our toys in traditional means like i wouldn't I wouldn't play with my trucks like or my army men, I would have army men i wouldn't i but I would never have battles. I would stage battles, and I would have the battle in my head, and it was beautiful and it was you know, but I didn't want to engage in all the bang and crash and things like that, but I was playing and it was robust and it was fun every child, every girl who has fantasies and things like that, they're wonderful. Let them, let those play out. But if we never, if we always expect people to be the same, we're not going to, we're not going to encompass and allow everyone to flourish. 100%.
0: Sean, thank you so much for being part of Dad Space tonight. I would love, if you ever have an opportunity, I would love to circle back and have another conversation because I think we could talk for a long time and learn even more. But today was a great start, and I really appreciate that you took time tonight.
1: Thank you, David. I will be happy to come back. If you get feedback and we want to do another session, just let me know, and I'll be happy to provide my time and get to know you better. And Thank you again. I appreciate you very much. Awesome.
0: Sean, for everybody on Dad Space, thank you so much, Sean. We'll talk again soon, okay?
1: Take care, everybody. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to Dad Space today. Go oh, check us out on all, all of our social media, YouTube, all that great stuff. You can find us as Dad Space Podcast. Real simple, Dad Space Podcast, whether we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even YouTube. Email us, dadspacepodcast at gmail.com. We're always looking for great guests to come on the podcast. If you have any feedback for us, what do we do good? What do we need to work on? Let us know here at Dad Space. Looking forward to connecting with you on the next episode. It's coming up right now. Just let this keep playing and it'll automatically come follow us on your podcast app for more cheers to you dad